Alright, well we're going to go ahead and get started here. Um, everyone should have a handout, so you should be able to follow along during my presentation. Uh, the one on the white sheet of paper, the eight and a half sheet by, by 11 paper, um, it's just like how to do something. The other paper is really where the notes are going to be. Just The other one you just take home, it's just something that you have to look at. So a little bit about me, my name is Greg Mooney. I was the media director at Lyman First for about three, three and a half years. My wife's a children's pastor there still, and I right now go out and I use social media for churches and engagement and designs all over Ohio. And so today we're going to talk a little about your digital presence of your church. So first thing I want to establish is, as a content creator for a church, a lot of churches, they don't give a lot of value to social media, their website, all that stuff. And I'm here to tell you that when you're doing being a content creator for a church, your whole mission is to plant seeds, to get those people to come to your church, build your influence, your church's influence, and allow God to make the change, and then you pass that baton off to you so that you can grab those people, disciple them, train them up. So everything that I do online, I view as being a seed plant. And that way, our pastors and everything else, they're the ones that's going to reap the harvest, disciple, and grow. So that's where we need to start at, as thinking about social media with the church. So on the first handout that I gave you, um, with the red lettering, we're going to talk about defining your church. Now, I know you think, why are we defining our church? It has nothing to do with social media. Well, this is probably one of the most important things that you can ever do. The reason being is that uh, if you don't know who your church is and what it's about, how are you going to tell other people in your community what your church is doing? So this is very important. And this is where you need to start um, before you start engaging your community in any situation. So the first thing we're going to talk about is purpose. Now this is self-explanatory. Why does a church exist? For most churches, it's to raise up, train your disciples, share the gospel. I mean, it's pretty much the same for every church. You can phrase it however you want. You know, it's, there are a dime a dozen. But you need to know why we exist. The next thing we need to go over is our mission. This is our path to, to our purpose. So if our mission is raise up, train new disciples, how are we going to do that? That's our mission statement. And finally, the third thing that we're going to talk about is our vision statement. This is what you hope to achieve. So if your church's goal is to have satellite campuses all over your community and you're a year two years out and you haven't done one then you're probably not fulfilling your vision of what you want to do for the church and the important thing that you need to know is when it comes to your mission if whatever you do in your church social media engagement anything if that doesn't line up with your mission statement you don't do it and your vision statement this is like your yardstick this is what you measure stuff by so if you have a vision for your church and you're not fulfilling it, then you need to go back and do this again so you can reevaluate your church. On the next page, we're going to talk about values. Now, values are very, very important. <coughs> so this is what I take from a church when I'm working with them, and this is what I use to come up with like to how I define an audience. So if Let's take Lima Ferguson, for example, where we're at. They have a really great kids ministry. 
and they have a strong youth program. So Lyman First, they value kids, they value students. When kids go to camp, they pay half their scholarship to go. So it is a big thing for the church, students and kids. So I know that. I know that's a value of the church. So I'm like, you know what? If our kids' ministry is really good, maybe I should target parents and kids, grades K through 5. Same thing with your youth. Whatever your church values, you need to think about that and then use that to tell your community about your church. The next thing is your audience. Now, this is taking this a step further. And this is who you think you're equipped to handle. So, you know, if you're in an inner city church and you're you're all white people, you don't want to sit there and say, hey, we're, we're a multi-cultural uh, you know, uh, denomination. Because you're not. You don't want to lie to people. So you need to find who your audience is. And you need to recognize this before you go out and engage your community. All this has to be in place because this is going to drive your narrative everything that you're going to do for your community engagement. The next thing that we're going to talk about is how is the church perceived by the unchurched people, the people living in your community. So right now, in your community, 87% of unchurched people view the church as judgmental. Now this makes sense to me, because the church tells people not to do stupid things. You know, don't do drugs, don't cheat on your wife, you know, don't do stuff. And people don't like to hear that. So that one makes sense to me. But the one that really gets me is, it's I think it's 54%, but the majority, though they don't belong in your church, that your church is, you know, just for the saints, the same people, it's not for them. And finally, I know there's an error here, but 52% of the people living in your community view the church as aggressive and hypercritical. 52%. The other thing that you need to know is this. So I don't know how well you can see that picture back here, but a couple years ago, the Barner Group, they did a study. So they handed people pictures. And this one was from Millennials. They gave them four pictures to pick from. I asked them, what do you think defines the church? And overwhelmingly, this was the number one picture that millennials think about when it comes to the church. And when you take out Christian millennials out of this figure, the number goes up to 42%. And all my facts and figures, you guys can get this from Pew Research Barnard, just like I did. Um, you know, if you want to do research... The other thing that you need to realize is that right now in your community, one in three people are a millennial. So that's my age. So I'm 37. So if you look at you know, a freshman in college, my age at 37, that's a third of the people living in your community. By 2025, half the U.S. workforce will be a millennial or younger. And in the next nine years half the population will be a millennial. So I'm sharing this with you because millennials and Generation Z are a future of the church. You know, the baby boomers, Gen Xers, their audience isn't, their uh, generation isn't getting bigger. It's shrinking. So you need to be aware of this when it comes to engaging people. And this stat right here just shocks me. 46% of Americans attend church once per month in 2010. Now, they do this survey every 10 years. 
And I would guess right now, if they did the survey right now, it would probably be in the low 30s. Now, why am I sharing this with you? Well, there's some information that I'm not sharing with you about how the church is getting older. Our pastors are getting older. As our pastors get older, so does our congregation. But our society, America, it's getting younger. And when you get, as you get older, and someone else is getting younger, it's really hard to connect with them. You know, like, oh, no, no, it's not. Well, if it wasn't hard to connect with young people, why aren't you seeing 50, 60, 70 year old youth pastors? I mean, I've heard one of all the pastors I've seen in my life. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So you need to be aware of this. So right now, we're experiencing the largest communication shift in the history of mankind. It's really hyper-accelerated over the past 10 years with the advent of the cell phone. People are more connected than ever before. The way we communicate has changed. Go look at two teenagers on a date. They don't even talk to one another. They sit there and go emoji, emoji, and laugh to one another. I mean, that's just how it is. So what you need to know when it comes to your digital presence for your church is that your website is your most important tool. It's not a church app. It's not Facebook. Your website is number one. And I quantify that for this. 80% of all traffic to your website are potential visitors. How many of you, if you go buy a car, you want to buy something, you go online and look at the reviews and everything else. The same thing is true for your church. People check your church out online before they come. And that's just how we are in society nowadays. But the overwhelming, what's most important, if your website is not good, it's bad. If it looks like it was made on Yahoo in 1998, those people are not going to come to your church. So your church's website is your number one tool. Now, how do you have a really great website? First of all, it needs to be mobile friendly. If it doesn't look good on a cell phone, you need to rethink your strategy. Right now, in 2015, 72% of American adults had a smartphone. And when you look at millennials, that number goes up to 92%. So your website needs to be mobile friendly. Next, you need to use your own photos. We have really great picture cameras on our cell phones nowadays. Use them to get pictures. Do not use stock photography. People do not want you to show this amazing worship thing that would come up and, you know, it's not that. Be real with people. Third, update content. I don't know how many times I see churches where they post about their Christmas stuff in the beginning of December. And it just sits there about the Christmas service to the first week of March or the middle of March for Easter. Keep your stuff up to date. You need to update your stuff with what's going on in your church every week. Every two weeks at the least. But every week you should be putting time and effort to your website. Next, service times and locations. I don't know about you, but have you ever had those people where they come up and they introduce themselves, and they sit there and they tell you your whole life story in like 10 minutes, and you're sitting there like, why are you doing this? I mean, it happens to me all the time at church. Safety is true to your website. On your homepage, when someone goes to your landing page for your website, 
All that matters is your service times and locations. Maybe your social media, your email, that's it. There is a trend right now going out where they, the churches put everything they do on their landing page, and you spend five minutes scrolling, and you just want to know what time church starts. You do not want to be that guy telling someone your whole life story. Just go to the landing page, service times, locations, simple, clean. Finally, minimal pages. 15 years ago, to go up in your Google rankings, it was beneficial to have a ton of pages talking about your church. There's not any more. If your women's ministry does five things, they don't need five pages. Put it all on one. Simple, clean. You, you will get more traction out of that than anything. And lastly, your website needs to be your main source of information. So, I'm not a big fan of church apps. Because what church apps do, they take your website, embed it in the app, and they think how you get better, and they charge you 200 bucks a month. Whatever your church does, it needs to be on your website. That's your number one thing. If you do a Facebook post, a Twitter post, Instagram, it all needs to drive people back to your website. Because you own that content. That is yours. You're a running space on social media. You're a running space on a church app. It's not yours. The next thing, when it comes to church schedule presence, is Facebook. Now, if there is a place where 70% of your community got together and hung out every day, would your church have a presence there? I think the overwhelming answer is yes. And the same thing is true with social media. 70% of your community, 70% of American adults, are active on, on Facebook. It's the number one social media tool out there today. And so here are some things that you can do to be better at social media. The first thing is that you need to be consistent. So I don't know how many times I see a church where it's Monday and they post everything at the beginning of the week and then that's it for the week. You want to be consistent in your time so more people will see you. So that's the best times to post are between 7.30 and 9 a.m. during the day, or in the morning, and then between 5 and 8 p.m. later on during the day. And we'll get more into that in just a second. You need to be consistent in your time. So if you're posting and you find that 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. is the best time to post, you don't post at 7.55, you don't post at 8.30, you post at 8 a.m. every day. That's how consistent you need to be. You want to do no more than two posts per day. I have tried this out with three churches in my own business. And if you ramp up more than two posts per day, you're going to kill your reach. Would you rather post twice a day, reach 1,000 people, or post five times a day and reach 300 people? I'd rather post twice and reach 1,000 people. So no more than two posts per day. Next, schedule your posts in advance. There are tools out there. Facebook gives you a tool where you can schedule all your social media posts in advance. It's free. There's tools like Hootsuite Buffer that does the same thing. But you want to schedule your posts in advance. Something's going to happen. You're going to get called out at 2 in the morning due to someone dying. You're going to be in a hospital. And you're not going to want to wake up at 8 in the morning to post something on Facebook. You've been out until 7 o'clock the night. So we schedule everything in advance. Next, we want to have one value post to every call to action post. And I'll show you some examples here 
That's the why. But have you ever seen that person out there on social media where they take a selfie of themselves every day and they just pass it out there? Well, a lot of churches do the same thing. It's always about what's going on Sunday morning and why you need to come to them and do something. Well, when you do that all the time, people just turn out and your your reach drops. So you don't want to be that church where it's all about what we do. Your mission as a creative, a social guy for a church is to tell people about Jesus. So here's some examples of what I value those things. On this one here, I have a Bible verse, and then I have a quote that pop ties along with it. Pretty simple. But it's something that people can take and in three to five seconds read it, take value from it, and apply it to their lives. And the hope is, my prayer is that I'm not trying to make a change in people's lives. It's that God's going to make the change. And so when you realize that and you're sharing this stuff all the time, something happens. Here's another value post example. So this is from my personal business page, Rich Media Designs. I'm sharing about how Facebook has changed your algorithm, your church. It's nothing about my business. I'm just taking time to tell other people um, how to be better at social media. And here's the last one, how to have better presentations. It's all stuff that has nothing to do with my business. It's just something I think would be beneficial to people who follow my page. A call to action is like this. This is a line of first time handling in their media for Easter this year. I'm inviting people to come to our Easter service. This is a call to action. Here's one from back in August. We're doing our women's coffee connection. We're inviting women to come Saturday morning. Straightforward. We have a picture because we want to post and we're just inviting people to come. It's called action. Finally, asking people to watch your service on Sunday morning is called action. So you want a minimum of one to one, but ideally you want three to five value posts for every one post uh, to call people to action. So for a church, you could sit there and give ways for parents to be better at, you know, make, uh, discipling their kids. Um, you know how youth can be better at, uh, you know, disi- you know, sharing the gospel in church. You know things like that to help the family. I mean, you, you know, you can come up with all sorts of stuff to share with people. But if they take value from it and you're using it to share the gospel, it's going to have huge beneficial ramifications for your church. Finally, invest time and money into your social media each week. Facebook changed their algorithm about four or five weeks ago to get rid of all the spam and political stuff. So what that means for your church is pages reach has dropped off. Organic reach just isn't there anymore. So you have to spend money to share what's going on in your church to your community. And the best way that I can tell you is when you define your audience, you want to build your page, the number of followers that um, are following you on Facebook. You need to have five to ten times as many people following you on Facebook that attend your church on Sunday morning to have a large enough audience. When you do that, and you define your audience, you're not sitting there trying to reinvent the wheel every time you want to do something. You've already done that in the past. So that's how I encourage churches to build their audience and grab them from Facebook. Facebook is one of the best tools that your church has to build a relationship. 
So here is, I, I just want to share with you some of the successes I've had on um, social media and the church. So last year, this is, is about this time. This is the stats for the 28 days leading up to Easter last year. So in Allen County, there is 105,000 people that live in Allen County. We reached 47,116 people. Almost 12,000 people engaged with their content. 25% about. And the thing that's incredible about that is generally a normal page engagement Six and a half percent. You're three times the normal engagement. And almost 21,000 people watched our videos that month. This is not normal. This is not typical. But this is what God can do with your social media presence. And then here is just like a normal week that we're doing on social media. So, you know, we reached 31,000 people with our posts. And people that were engaging with their stuff was 2,100 people. I mean, it was God. Now, why should we care? Well, last year, our church, Atlanta First, was grew by 17 to 20% in six weeks. So we went from averaging 700 to 840 people in six weeks. In March, three weeks before Easter, we did what we call pizza with pastors. We invited those new people to come visit the staff, chat the pastoral leadership. Every one of those people said they came for a couple reasons. Our website, the videos we produce, and our social media. That is the effect that social media can have on your church. Huge. I mean, you might think a verse a day is nothing. But you'd be surprised at how many people would come up to me, tell me how God used that to make a change. I mean, it's not you, it's God. So you need to realize how this affects people and the importance of this. It's huge. So how do you gauge a successful social media post? Well, to me, for every person who views my post, I want them to engage, like comment and share. So for me, if I take breach and I divide that by my engagement, I'm going to come up with a number. And so the close to me, because I want a reaction to every person who sees my post, one is I my ideal number. We probably are never going to get that unless you know one person sees it and they like it, but ideally you want one. So the closer whatever that number is that you get to one, the more successful that post is. And I'm telling you this is because you want to do a journal when you want to figure out how to do your social media schedule. You know, start off by posting at 7.30, 7.45, 8. Go through and come up with the time that works best for your church. Write down with your post that you're sharing and come up with that score. And when you do this for a month, you are going to come up with what is the best times and what content resonates best with your community. So here, you know, as pastors, as a creative, you know, everybody thinks that what they're doing, what they're creating is very important. And that, you know, it's got to be out there. We've got to share the gospel and all this. But the reality is, 
that's not how it works. People are superficial. You know, people might think that social media and what we can do, our sermons, it's like eHarmony. You know, we have our 17 ways we're going to connect. We're going to have our soulmate. You know, we are going to go walk on the beach and life's going to be great. But that's not the reality of how social media works. What happens is, it's like Tinder. You know, you, you share something or, you know, so you want to date somebody and in three to five seconds you swipe left or right whether you want to date that person. And the same thing is true with your content that you share on social media. So remember, we're not in the e-harmony world. We live in a tender world. Because people are that superficial. So next, let's talk about community engagement. So, this is something that is very important for churches to understand. So if we look at the assemblies of God, their audience is national. National leadership and local leaders. So when they share, you know, something from uh, Dr. Wood or whatever on social media, that is their audience and is a program. Same thing with the Ohio Ministry Network. If they share a dissertation paper about the homosexuality, when they share online, it is appropriate because their audience is local church leadership. Your church is not leadership. It is the unchurched people of your community. So you do not share content that comes from this level or this level when it engages on social issues to your people. Because the people in your community have no biblical background. They don't understand. So let's talk about homosexuality gay marriage. A couple years ago, everybody, I'd say probably 95% of churches, if they said anything about it, they're sharing top-level stuff out in their community. And two things happen. Either people's going to argue with you, or they're just going to unfollow you and nothing. Nothing positive ever came out because people don't have a little background as to why they shouldn't do that. There's only a handful of churches that I see said, you know what? The Supreme Court made a decision this week. Why don't you come to church and say, we have a discussion, let's find out what God has to say you're still addressing it, you're still handling a biblical matter, but you're not running people out the door before they even get there. So what you share is very important. The other thing that you need to understand, the difference between your Facebook page and Facebook groups. Things have changed on Facebook over the past six months. So with your church, you need to have one page, that's it. For every ministry, one Facebook your church, whatever, that's it. All your ministries, everything else needs to go into groups. You gotta remember, your external, your Facebook page is for external communication only. And it applies to the majority of people in your community. Um, it's not for internal church business. So if Sister Harriet, who's been shedding for seven years, um, you know, passes away, you don't share her obituary up on your Facebook page, you share that in your groups. Because the people that's coming to your Facebook page, and they see that, you know, they're on the outside, they don't understand. They're talking about that, you know, how we as church people are, you know, exclusive to ourselves. So you gotta need to be mindful of that. If it doesn't apply to like 20, 30% of your church, it doesn't go up. It goes in groups. 
So here are some big don'ts that I see on Facebook all the time. So the first one, don't use your church's social media page as your personal page. So if you go on vacation as a pastor, you don't need to share family photos and all that. If you want to do that, do that in a Facebook group on your own personal page. It's not appropriate. Your audience is unchurched people. Next, don't set up a donate button on your Facebook page. I see this all the time. People think that we as churches and staff are just trying to get something free and, live, and, and you know work one day a week. So your Facebook page is a high um, situational thing where people come to you. You know they're unchurched people, so you don't want to be asking for money for the person you see. It's appropriate on your website, but it's not appropriate on social media. Now, if you're doing a cause, you're trying to raise missions for money for missions. That's one thing. But you don't want to set it up where it's like, hey, pay your tithe right here. It's not appropriate. Don't set your pastor's headshot as your paid advertiser. I don't know how many times you see this. You're, you're a church. You're not, I mean, if you got that many friends, make up, become a, you know, a, a celebrity on Facebook. Make your own page. But don't do it on your, your church's page. Now, this is a biggie, and Facebook will downrank you. It's called dump boping. So how many times do you ever see uh, like a doll? You're like, you know, like if you want a petting, put a heart where you want to get in the tree, all this. Facebook didn't intend those reactions to be used for those type of polls. So when you do that, they will downrank your content, even if you're paying, going around. And this is going back to something we talked about earlier. Don't share controversial topics on your church's Facebook page. You know, if you want to talk about how you hate Donald Trump or how you love him, whatever, do it on your own time. Do not do it on a church because you're going to offend unchurched people. You're trying to break those walls down. It's not appropriate. Don't share me. So I see this one in the past quite a bit, you know, where they have a RV and then they ask you to share and if you do, you enter a contest to win. That's doesn't work anymore. Facebook will downrank your page. Don't tag me. So I don't know how many times I see a post and people will go through and they'll name off like 50 people and a post. Like, why tagging people on social media is for pictures only. They're not the picture, they're not using it. So Facebook will downrank the page for you. And so if you sit there and you create a thing that's like, hey, Tag a friend that needs to come to church Sunday, they're going to, you know, swipe for Don't comment big. So, you know, you see these on pages like, hey, God has a blessing for you. Type amen below. Don't do that. They, they'll, they'll, you know, again, uh, smite for that. Don't use Christianese and organizational verbiage. You know, I see this all time. You know, especially smaller churches, and I'm not trying to pick on any smaller church, but, you know, I attended a semester of seminary. My wife's a pastor. I had a college degree. And sometimes they used to work. So I don't even know. So if I don't know what it means, chances are the people in your community don't know. So keep it simple. 
The other thing is organizational verbiage. You know, youth is me tonight in HRC and in the blue room down the hall. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. So don't use organizational verbiage. And lastly, don't post wrong, long written content. People sit there and it's like, you know, they write a book. I don't have time to read a book on Facebook. You know, if I want to, I'll put my Kindle for that. So three to five sentences max. If you make a habit, you know, a good way to practice is Twitter. When you have 140 characters, you need to be able to express what your church is doing in 140 characters or less and uh, to see success. So these are just some things that I have seen over the past four years in church media. Um, I have... I help churches, you know, the best way I can. Um, digital creation, your digital presence, what they call it. So, you know, if you need help or whatnot, you all have my business card. You all have a brochure. You can look me up online, see my stuff. And, you know, I'm just here to help. So you guys can reach more people in your community. Tell more people about Jesus. Yeah, quite, we've got 12 minutes left to answer some questions. Does anyone have any questions they like that? is one thing and then your Facebook page, that's another. So your page can make a group. You can make a group and link it to your page. Uh, so you don't want two pages. Um, I'm right now experimenting with a church where we're doing prayer requests, but what we're doing is we're directing to email us and you have a long winded one because we don't want anyone to embarrass themselves. Or we're saying, you know what, let us know with one word down below in the comments how we can pray for you as a staff. And that's it. If you want to get into, hey, pray for this person and all that, you need to have a prayer group church on Facebook. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's internal stuff is all group. It's different groups. So kids ministry, youth ministry, men's, women's, whatever. You know, groups that invite people there, have a conversation with You back Yes. So, so what I do is this. So the times are 7.30 to 9 a.m. And the other one is 5 to 8. The number, they tell you online that 1 p.m. is best for Facebook. I've tried it. It's not for a church. It's just not. So what you would do is say in the morning, you could do an inspirational quote from like Billy Graham or, you know, uh, a Bible verse in the morning. And then in the afternoon, you can share a link to, hey, here's parents how it's a great way to decide from kids. Then the next day, you share your inspirational quote, your Bible verse, and then you say, hey, we have youth tonight, either at whatever. And then you go two more days, and then you talk on Saturday about Sunday. I mean, 
you know, that's one, that's how I would do it. Um, so yeah, you might go a couple days not talking anything about the church, but uh, you want to make sure you post moon once per day steadily. Because what happens is sometimes we get in these periods in the church where we get really busy, there's a lot going on. Easter's one of those times. And so you want to be consistent in your post so it'll show up in the feed better. Um, that's why you're doing that. I mean, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're giving something away in order to earn that right, but you're trying to cheat the system too. So when you want to tell people about something, you can't. So, is there any other question? Yes. Google Plus. I just I use Buffer and whatever I share on Facebook, I just share on, on Google Plus. I don't think there there's not you're not going to get a lot of reaction from people. The reason why you do it is to increase your SEO, your, so you can appear higher in the Google rankings. That, that's the only reason you do it as a church. I've never had. I mean, I posted probably two thousand Google Plus posts. I've never had one person comment whatever on it. So, it's something you don't want to stop using altogether. You need to keep it to help you with your Google posts and you need to be active. So, you can get buffered. It's like 10 bucks a month. And you could add your Google Plus stuff and then whatever you schedule in your Facebook post, you can just share directly there. It doesn't take any much more work. There's some, uh, can't think of the name. There's a new thing for Google. Um, I shared it on my Facebook page for my business, Reach Me Eight Designs, but I'll, I'll find it and I'll share it later on today. But there's something else where when you do a search for a business, you can put a post there. So it shows up in the Google rankings. I think it's called Google Post. And so that is a great tool that's made implemented that you can use. So when you're searching your post, like, hey, we have YouTube, whatever. You can take it down and schedule it. So. Yes? Okay, so right now with Facebook, they they don't allow pe- people to just share stuff and just pop up on their feeds. Um, they're trying to cut all, down on all like political stuff, all the Russian stuff, all that type of stuff where it just causes infighting. And people quit using Facebook. They don't want that. So what they did is pretty much on your Facebook page, if you want people to see your content, you need to pay for people to see it. And that's what Boosie is paying out. Yeah, but you can get it for like five dollars a day and come up with an audience, and send it out there. It's, it's much cheaper than what it used to be when you had a phone book or you know the newspaper. So, any other questions? Well, thank you so much for attending my class today. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I want to get better as a public speaker, so if you could review me with the Synergy app, whatever they have, just let me know how I did. Um, I hope you all took something away from this, and have a great day.